Drew, how's it going, man? Hey, Jeff, it's great. Good to be here. Yeah, appreciate having you on. I know we've had a little bit of time coordinating. I think you've been on the road traveling for a bit, so really appreciate you jumping on with me. Yeah, absolutely. No, back back and forth between uh, the East Coast uh, last week, and then uh, once I came back, I, I jumped out to Yosemite for a couple of days, so that was pretty great. That's amazing. Hopefully, you got to see um, a Capitan, big bold rock faces. So those are great. By the way, um, you and I have gotten to know each other for a couple of months now because you were actually you, you took my course, uh, the RevOps and the SalesOps course. I think you're the only person I know that's actually taking it simultaneously. Uh, you're <laughs> in for punishment, I will say. <laughs> it's like uh, dr- drinking from the fire hose to reference uh, UHF, like back back in the '80s. So, uh, yeah, it, it was awesome though. I mean, I think for me and that experience, um, especially like with the frameworks that you created around going broad on the revenue operations course, and then also like going deep into sales operations, like as, as a new like revenue leader overall, I think it was super valuable, especially, uh, on the point of, um, just comp, like, because Unlike a lot of sales operations pros, I come from the marketing operations side first and then, you know, got into sales ops and then also did uh, a number, a lot of CS work in my more recent career. So it's, it's interesting kind of going like, okay, now like sales management, compliment, compensation, all of that, and really thinking through that approach um, in my current role. So super valuable just in, in, in real time. I appreciate that. Uh, love that you turned this into commercial for my course, but yeah. um, <laughs> I came from FPNA and I, I built sales plans for like 700 something sales reps globally and super cool. Um, so the audience may not know who you are. So I feel like I, I think I would do you a disservice if I don't read an intro about you. Um, then we can get right into it. So, um, let's start talking about your background a little bit. So you have over 20 years of experience in go to market and rev ops. And you span that across a couple of industries, B2B SaaS, media, and consumer, which I think is hugely valuable. We can draw a lot on a lot of that today. You've helped startups, high growth, and Fortune 500 companies, both internally and today as a consultant. You've sold, consulted, um, you've sold, consulted on, or directly managed several multi-million dollar technology budgets and revenue stacks. Uh, quite impressive. And you focused on revenue ops and go-to-market processes, aiming to optimize ROI and setting high performance standards for a new level of lean go-to-market favored by COOs and CFOs, which we'll get into today, by the way. So beyond this professional career, uh, you enjoy competitive cycling and you never get too far away from reviewing metrics and seeking marginal gains, even when you're on the road. <laughs> That's right. No, it's uh, it's kind of like, I, I often say I have two jobs, right? It's like my, my second job is as a cyclist, um, nights and weekends. So pr- pretty committed to that. Uh, here in Northern California and also uh, kind of in the Western U.S. That's awesome. Um, so I think there are a few revenue operators who are into cycling. I'll connect you afterwards with a few of those folks. And so, um, you know, great to share okay. with others. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So, you know, we were talking about the consulting agency that you work for. Can you tell me a little bit about who you are, what pain points you're primarily solving in the market today? Yeah, absolutely. So SCS Cloud, uh, we you know we've uh, been in the market for 15 years, primarily on the ERP side with NetSuite. We're one of the top NetSuite resellers and integrators in the U.S. 
Um, and I actually came on uh, more from the CRM Salesforce side uh, because, you know, really looking at uh, best in class solutions across, you know, the CRM versus the ERP, uh, front office versus back office function. Uh, and uh, joined as VP of Revenue because, you know, at, one thing that, you know, I've particularly valued in my career is the flexibility between being an operator and also being a direct contributor, um, as well as, you know, a, a production driver, um, you know, started out in marketing and PR and then got into ops and really, you know, have always had the viewpoint that ops is there to facilitate the go-to-market function and not to exist for the sake of itself. Right. Um, so more than anything today, uh, we're trying to string the functions of the more than anything, I would say mid funnel through to CPQ and then also quote to cash on the back end, uh, making sure that all of those functions are aligned and that you have best in class solutions to facilitate all of those functions and very often working uh, for alignment between you know, I would say consolidated go-to-market CRO and and a high-functioning growth-minded CFO. Yeah. Yep, love that. So when you're working with finance and sales, I think in the boardroom or in the leadership room, the word revenue or top line comes about. But, you know, I worked in FP&A. There's a bit of a distinction when you're talking about bookings revenue, a, uh, annual recurring revenue, MRR. And can you tell me a little bit about how you view those different, and not to get to Webster's dictionary-ish around, around these different terms, but you know, when you're engaging with clients, do they bring this up to you and say, hey, I, I'm having a hard time translating bookings to revenue and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the, the secret sauce there is a super efficient quote to cash process, right? Uh, you know, once that final, uh, once that deal actually occurs, right, you've got a closed one. What is, you know, it, I think it's the first step in the onboarding, right? It, it's like, make sure that that's closed out. Is the signature process elegant? Uh, do you have the right contacts in terms of invoicing associated to the opportunity, right? And, and who would actually be handling payments and ongoing engagement? the collection process needs to start immediately, right? And accelerating that uh, for an organization, making sure that it's efficient, really impacts, I would say, your, your mid-funnel process and also a lot of your revenue operations as well. Because if you think about the fact that you, if we say time kills all deals, right? Time also kills all collections. Because if you don't actually make sure that that back office function is firing on the appropriate number of cylinders and you actually get that paper out and it stays top of mind for the organization, especially when they're excited, right? You take that zeitgeist, that excitement of onboarding and getting into the product and being a new customer 
and you leverage that towards the efficiency of the collections process, making sure that things are invoiced on time, making sure that that money comes back in. Also on MRR and uh, just in terms of the renewal process in the long run, now we all know from a revenue operations perspective and a CS ops perspective that there should be continuous engagement with every account and that ideally it isn't just like, oh yeah, like well, you got 30 days to renewal, like we're going to send you an email and be like, okay, cool, time to collect. You know, that's one thing that we've seen with uh, companies that haven't necessarily invested heavily in a meaningful customer experience. But with those that do have that nailed down, uh, you know, part of that is really invoicing. And I think it's funny. One thing I like to say is using, using your contracts, using your invoice as a promotional action for the organization, you know, that experience of making payment easy, that experience, and you see it in, in product led companies all the time, you know, where it's like, yeah, this is so easy to just like pay my bill to understand like what I'm being charged for. And, you know, taking that concept and applying it to not only B2B SaaS, but also traditional brick and mortar operations and making the payment experience part of the overall customer experience and making that elegant, I think is a real opportunity. It's an interesting blend here, right? Because internally your revenue operations team or sales operations team or whatever you're calling it is working mm -hmm. on the front end of the sales process, right? So they're going through, proposal, pricing, negotiating, turning that in an order form in a contract, there may be a CPQ involved, and then you need to turn that quote into cash. So then the invoice comes in, the invoice has to take a cue from the information that's in your systems. If those systems aren't lockstep with one another, there's no automation or data flowing. What ends up happening is you're increasing the room for manual error because if you're manually creating pricing, manually creating order forms, manually creating the invoices, well, guess what? It's no, it's no surprise when you don't get paid on time or, you know, it's no surprise when you drop the boy, ball and you don't even invoice sometimes. I've seen some, some <laughs> where, you know, the sales team has to prod and provoke the, 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 the cash collections uh, function and say, hey, have we collected the cash on this? We're not going to pay out commissions because we have a pay on cash collection trigger for our commissions. And guess what? That is the reinforcing mechanism within that business to go invoice. And that's not where you want to be, I think, as a company. <laughs> no, and I mean, it just creates added strain. I, I think w where it starts, though, and where you can head it off at the pass, and, you know, you and I preliminary, preliminarily have discussed this, and also, you know, we discussed it in your course as well, the the aspect of uh, bundling and package and discount approvals, right? And allowing that to be approved by the CFO or the VP finance, um, or even like, you know, controller, right? And, and allowing that to move very, very quickly through the process, speeding that up so that approvals fire off, that not only accelerates your, your pipeline, Right. And especially the latter half of your pipeline as you move toward uh, negotiation and close one. But then but then on the back end, making sure that you eliminate the the potential issues around errors in commission payouts, uh, potential clawbacks 
just simply because collection was never able to be done. Um, and that just contributes to peace of mind and greater functionality for your front office staff. I mean, for your sales organization to actually just do their job of selling, right. And like generating business and not being worried about, you know, are they going to get paid? How do they get paid? When are they going to get paid? It's just going to happen. So just a general comment, we have this terminology around revenue operations. And if you, if you were to describe revenue operations without explaining to someone and ask them what it meant, I think they would look at you and talk about something around finance or accounting or controllership. Mm-hmm. And, and instead, we instead of using the word go-to-market operations, we ended up using the word revenue operations. And part of that is you know the operations for the finance organization. Uh, we yeah. talked about the changing of the guard with kind of the CFO and partnering with the CRO. And the most evident place you see this is in the annual planning process where a CFO has a number and publishes it and there's no bottoms up feedback from the CRO. I think that's a problematic you know, theme when it comes to planning. I'm curious in your experience canvassing and working with CROs and both CFOs, you know, what kind of trends are you noticing? I think it goes back to what, well, I mean, there's a couple of trends that I'm, I'm seeing, and I think, you know, again, I've had conversations specifically around, uh, a, a management to budget function, which, you know, more than anything, like really looking at performance compared to budget, especially as direct cash flow is more and more important and the speed to cash is more and more important. Um, and I think that that's becoming a greater theme in B2B SaaS, especially these days. Right. Um, so you know, getting that cash actually collected it in the door is a lot more critical, um, you know, and that, that also, you know, ends up impacting, you know, valuations potentially, I mean, as incremental as it may be, right? So there, there's, there's definitely that factor. I think also, um, again, that point of the CFO and the CRO working together to make sure that, um, there's an agreement around approvals on margins, right? And making sure that that margin is maximized and that product isn't necessarily being given away, making sure that there is a, I would say a greater uh, lifetime profitability or like, you know, break even point consideration. Um, you know, around the overall transactions uh, and commercial interactions that a company's having. So I think that that's, those are all positive things. It, it's funny because it, it's, it sounds almost old school, right? It, it sounds almost like we're going back to like, yeah, like basic managerial accounting, right? And, and also like basic financial accounting, like everybody's operating off of like current cash, right? But that's just good business. So in a lot of ways, it's like, yeah, let's do that. Let's reinforce those fundamentals and let's think about not only that top line growth, but also that bottom line execution. And then I think what's really fascinating and, you know, I haven't necessarily seen this yet, but I think there's a, there's two maybe long-term trend trends that I I'm betting on. And one is, uh, a new type of growth CFO. And I've seen like that hashtag played with a little bit, um, on LinkedIn, 
Uh, I've also seen that discussion starting to happen, you know, around a, uh, a GTM centric CFO that absolutely wants to make sure that the GTM functions of the organization are supported, but also making sure that, you know, the revenue operations function in terms of go-to-market operations, right? Because that's one thing you and I share is that RevOps is not just sales ops, right? It's go-to-market operations, it's consolidated full GTM operations. And if we're looking at it from that perspective, the CFO taking on a portion of what would traditionally have been the CRO or the COO role and maybe supporting the go-to-market function by having revenue operations reporting directly into the office of the CFO. And I think that I, I've experienced that firsthand as well, because in my most recent round of recruiting before I joined SCS, uh, I interviewed with three or four different organizations and I didn't interview with any CROs or, or CMOs directly. I, I was interviewing with the CFO or the COO and with a, a dotted line to the CEO from a strategic perspective for revenue operations to actually sit within that. And I think it's, it's funny because there's so many discussions around how the organizational structure should be, but I actually see that manifesting now within the market. And I think that, you know, that's a real opportunity for, uh, rigor to be put in place around revenue operations, especially as it relates to the financial function of the organization. I think one of the interesting things is you're saying that the CFO is meeting the CRO halfway by becoming a growth minded CFO. I also think the CRO is meeting the CFO halfway because now we're talking about sustainability in the way we generate revenue. How do we identify what the appropriate customer acquisition cost is and stay within a positive cash flow uh, set of bounds. Um, one thing I would point out, because um, we talked about this for the last two months, I've been working on, you know, identifying all the financial data at, you know, in my own full-time role, converting it into a dashboard for the executive team. And a lot of the metrics that I'm reporting on are margin, CAC, our customer acquisition costs, LTV, yeah. really getting down to those nitty gritty details. I think some tactical things we can take away uh, in terms of that partnership between the CFO and CRO, we turn it from an adversarial relationship to a partnership relationship, because oftentimes I've seen either the CFO is you know on top of the CRO with a top-down browbeating kind of mandate, and then I've yeah. seen the CRO also have you know if we got to generate revenue no matter what, and they were winning that battle, and now you have this moment where both are looking at each other in the eye and saying, all right, we need to work together. Some common areas in my mind are one, a discount matrix, yeah. creating approvals, a control, a set of controls within the business. Second is knowing your gross margin and then taking it down to a unit level, whatever, whether that's deals or some sort of unit uh, widgets or quantity of license. I mean, it's specific a product line item. I exactly. Mean, you don't go below that. You don't go below that number. You have a yeah. hurdle. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the third thing is, um, you know, you just got to get budgets, like budgets down to the department level. I think, you know, some businesses don't even have that. It's all lumped together in some one master uh, bucket where all the spend is indiscernible. Um, so, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, what is, uh, if you were to go back, uh, career advice for yourself, and I know we're getting to the end of the episode, 
Um, I also, you know, want to thank you. You're one of the first few to ever talk about the back end of the sales process and go into the nitty gritty with working with finance and the quote to cash process. But if you were to go back well, in time and talk to your, yourself, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, so it's a bit of a hot take. It's also a self-critical point. Um, revenue operators need to be better at math. Ooh, so, awesome. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's a funny thing because, you know, you, you and I, like, it, this is a funny part of our rapport and kind of the conversations that we've had, you've come from the FP&A side, right? So very strong, you know, accounting and finance structural understanding. Um, I've come from the marketing side and even a traditional, like I started out my career in like promotions and PR. So it was like, you know, just hype. Right. And, and that's fine. But, you know, as I've gone through the operations, really being very interested in analytics, being interested in data engineering and data structure. Um, and then that those top level inputs and the outputs that you're able to compute based on that. I think the understanding of how all of the metrics are actually assembled is super critical to our roles. Um, like you were saying, like CAC and CAC payback, um, you know, and of course there's a whole debate there, like depending on, you know, what type of company you're in and like, you know, CAC payback versus LTV, like, et cetera. Right. And I, I love the way that that plays out with a number of, you know, our, our colleagues are like LinkedIn influencers overall. Um, so it's, it's really fun to like see those discussions, but really the only thing that allows for those discussions is understanding the basics underneath it. Right. So one thing that I'm actually, that I have on my docket is to go in the reverse direction that you've come from. I'm going, I actually have FP and a training on my list. Right. So where I actually want to know all the different ways I can run forecasts, all the modeling I could potentially do, you know, and it's funny to say that, you know, in, in our, you know, you and I aren't too far apart in our like total career progression. So I think what we could say is like, you know, as like mid career operators, it's such an interesting thing to be like, no, this is honestly where I kind of suck. This is where I fall down. And I, if I have this piece, I will be that much better and I'll be more prepared for the progression into managing that function and understanding enough about that function so that I can be intelligent in my approach as an eventual member of the C-suite. And I think, you know, not everybody wants that, but I know that that's, you know, my goal. Um, and I think that, you know, really understanding and building out your breadth of understanding and like we've said like t-shape or maybe like n or m shaped right in terms of like expanding those multiple pillars um is really the thing that you have to honestly tell yourself as you go through your career and go like no i have to be better at this and i need to train on it and i need to carve out the time in order to give it attention there's always something to learn as i always say so and for those who want to connect with you, where can they learn more about you? So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm actually pretty active. Um, so uh, Drina Well on LinkedIn. You know, that's the nice thing is that, uh, you know, I've, I've been on LinkedIn for like, 
you know, since almost the beginning, but uh, only really active the last year or so. Um, and I love it. Uh, also, I'm on, uh, I'm a community member uh, on RevOps Co-op, uh, also a community member on RevGenius uh, and MoPros. So look me up in any of those shops if you're there. Um, and honestly, like, Otherwise, you can you can uh, hit me up on Strava because you know I ride bikes all the time. So uh, so check it out. Awesome. Thanks again, Drew. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff.